everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Gin and Beer. I am your host, Meg. And this week, I have the absolute pleasure of being joined by Antonelli from Drunk Night Inn on Instagram. Hi, Antonelli. How are you tonight? I am. Today for you. <laughs> yeah, the sun is still out. <laughs> I am way too excited. Um, I get to break up my day with a cocktail with you. So it's a very good day. Hell yes. Thank you so much. This has been a long time coming for the listeners. Me and Antonelli connected on Instagram, um, just in the, in the Instagram drink space. Um, I think as well, like, you know, Emily and Emily was on the show Shout out um, quite a few months ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's on Wednesdays. We make drinks on Instagram and she was on for the bees knees episode for anyone who's wondering she's fab. Um, yeah. And we connected and we are definitely like kindred spirits, but schedules have made it very difficult schedules and time zones. Um, so we're finally here recording and I'm very, very excited to have you on the show. Oh, thanks. We're just very busy women. You know, we have, yes, yes. <laughs> that we are. Um, so speaking of that, actually, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, about your Instagram, just the content work that you do and how you got into the drink space? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's all over the place with me. (laughs) That's a good thing. Yeah. Makes for a good story. (laughs) Just like, feel free to like zero in on like, okay, let's, let's pause for a second. Um, (laughs) uh, I always wanted to start a drink page. I think I had the idea even before the pandemic started, but I actually had the balls to do it <laughs> during the pandemic. I think I was private. So I was doing, I remember doing Christmas cocktails, for example, and I was just like on a private account. I'm like, no one's going to see. This is just to shoot <laughs> the shit. I'm just going to make Christmas, ho- like whatever cocktails. Um, but I realized I'm like, okay, no, this is fun. And being in the drink niche or just drink community on Instagram and Pinterest itself, it was a little intimidating because you have Mm -hmm. all these like amazing ass photographers, kudos and props to them. I look up to them and I'm friends with them. So they're incredibly talented, but it is incredibly intimidating as well. Then looking at the drink list and the ingredient list and how to make your own syrups and Yes, I could do that as well as I've had experience in the past bartending at different types of bars, but I felt that as someone who's an outsider, as someone who is maybe curious or trying to get into the drink space, I wanted to make it easier for the potential home bartender or the drink Mm -hmm. enthusiast. So I want my page to be essentially like the starting point or like the the landing page for them to kick off their drink journey, as some would call it, uh, just to introduce them to bomb cocktails, but something that's Mm -hmm. very easy to make and hopefully can um, find like the ingredients, it can be easily accessible in your kitchen, as well as I wanted to incorporate like a restaurant quality feel of cocktails in your own kitchen. So that's where Drunk Night In came about. Really, that's where I came about was the restaurant quality cocktails at home, hence the Night In. But uh, it's funny, the name actually came from my 12-year-old brother at the time because I was explaining <laughs> the story or I was explaining what I wanted to do. And he goes, just do Drunk Night In. And I looked at him, I'm like, you're 12. <laughs> how, would you, <laughs> how would you do that? So or how did you come up with that? So that's really the the foundation of my page, the foundation of the brand itself. I'm still working on it, still very new, but I'm super proud of how it came to be. 
today. I'm super proud of the friends I've made and also the progress. I'm seeing how my drinks have evolved over with even within the excuse me, even within the year. Uh it's been incredible. So it's it's a good journey. Yeah, no, you definitely <laughs> You should be proud. I mean, your page is like beautifully curated. Um, oh, you know, it, thank you. <laughs> no, no, it, it genuinely is. And, and like back to what you were saying about the the photography, because I like I've definitely said this previously on the podcast. Like that was something that I noticed when I pivoted this show to drinks. Um, I had such a passion for cocktails, and very similar to you, like cocktails that were accessible to the average you know, home bar owner. Um, and I loved learning about the history of cocktails. That's kind of where everything for this podcast came in, but where I didn't really have neither the passion nor the expertise was the photography. Um, like I, like I love pictures that look like, I love taking pictures. I love pictures that look nice. I would love for my Instagram to look absolutely perfect, but what I don't love is like necessarily taking the time to learn all of those photography elements on top of doing the podcast and actually making the drinks and researching the drinks. And, yeah. you know, yeah, like it, that, that has kind of been where I draw the line, um, in my own. And also like my Instagram is, is meant more to be a way of promoting the podcast than it is like a proper, you know, in, like drinks Insta basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's tough because like I, having like knowing uh, the basics about photography and having a lot of photographers in my family and friends, like drinks are some of the most difficult things to photograph. Like they're, you know, I mean like this is why a lot of times when drinks are photographed for menus or for advertisements, they don't use real drinks. They use, you know, jello and stuff because yeah, yeah, (laughs) because, and like fake ice cubes because it's really difficult to, and that, I think that's the other thing for me is that the drinks that I'm posting photos of on my Instagram, I am drinking myself. Like I am making it, I am snapping a photo and then I am guzzling it. Um, (laughs) so I don't, I'm not really interested in like wasting some ingredients to make like a sort of fake drink or using color dye or something like that. And it's no shade to people that do that for the purpose, you know, for whatever purpose they need to. But I just didn't really want to go to that length for, um, for my purposes basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, like your photography, also the quality of your TikToks and your reels is excellent. Like they're very watchable. (laughs) Yeah, no, I really, (laughs) I really enjoy all of your, like the fact that you've only been doing it for a year is really, um, really impressive. You should definitely be very proud. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And you know, I actually, actually found, excuse me. I actually find, um, <laughs> I swear I've only had two sips. Um, <laughs> I find really interesting is that now behind the scenes reels are becoming popular because I feel like people think that the drinks are fake, right. Or like the, the, yeah. the picks themselves are not the actual drink. I love doing the behind the, or I love seeing the behind the scenes reels, but, uh, like you said, I love drinking my creations because it just makes yeah. like the caption writing actually relating to like, like you could talk about the drink itself. Right. Uh, as opposed to like faking it until you make it. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. No, I, I can compl- and it just, yeah, it adds a lot of level of authenticity and also like, it's like cooking, like there's nothing more rewarding than you know, cooking your own food and then actually eating it and like kind of reaping the rewards of, of your effort. So like, Hey, I made it. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. No, I think, and like one of the things that I find really interesting about the drink space within social media, Instagram, Pinterest, TikTok, is that there's so many accounts out there. I mean, so many, like I'm never at a loss for finding new drinks accounts to follow on Instagram and to engage with, but in a weird way, it doesn't feel like the market is like saturated in the same way I would say that it is in other like categories that, you know, like for example, fashion, like to a certain extent, and I'm someone who really loves fashion. I have like a fashion Instagram that's, I do not take remotely seriously, but, um, (laughs) like I like fashion when you're looking at like influencers on Instagram that have like a, a large, a large enough following that they are making like serious money in like the fashion space like they all start to kind of look the same. They're all wearing the same brands because it's the same brands that are paying the good money to all of these. They're all like following the same trends. Whereas with drinks and also this is not me trying to diss like no shade influencers. Yeah. But like, like I said, but like in the drink space, I just think there's so many different, cause like you said, like you and I, I think try to target people who just want to be able to make drink the average Joe who just wants to make drinks at home there's also people who come at it from like a really sciencey angle and here's the chemistry of like cocktails. That's and then really cool, yeah. there's people, yeah, yeah, there's people who cater to people who've been bartending for 25 years and, you know, they want to do clarified milk punch and things that are really, you know, really complicated and you need special instruments and things to do. And then there's people who really focus on the history or pop culture. Um, it's impossible to be bored. So yeah, I, I, that's something that I really enjoy. I completely agree. Um, and I think agree. that your account fits yeah. in really well to that. So thank you. It's it's funny because <laughs> I agree it that the niche itself is not as saturated as like travel or fashion. Because girl, mm-hmm. we've all been there where we had a fashion account and we just yeah. completely neglected. Um, so I mean, not everyone does that, but most of us has been, have been there. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's still it gets pretty intimidating because you're like, oh, these there's these amazing people doing crazy insane things with their drinks and you're like oh should I still attempt to make a drink page should I still attempt to even try like just pure like just try it right so really differentiating yourself from everyone else which is why I think I put my face out there so much (laughs) I try Mm. to put like some humanity into cocktail making um so I try to pretty much be like your best friend home bartender like hey girl let's make a drink together hey guy <laughs> let's make a drink together yeah. so um it's really important to make yourself stand out but then also but also um bring like just the humanity of cocktail making because i think that's also very important yeah and I, actually now that you say that i do think that your accounts is one of the few that i follow where you do put your face on it Um, and I think that's great. Like there's, it's that it's not better or worse either way, but there are so many cocktail accounts out there where I think the person running it has absolutely no interest in putting themselves on their page and that's absolutely fine. But that gives you, that makes you unique that, um, that you do do that. And yeah, it's also just, you know, 
it's nice and people can see who's making the drinks. Um, it's very cool. And it gives it your own, your own character and your own voice. Yeah. A little spice, a little flair to it. Exactly. <laughs> so speaking, speaking of the drinks that you make, what are you drinking today? Oh yes. Yeah. So I alluded to this earlier where I was sipping on a little something. Um, it is the Aperol Sour. So wanted to pay homage to your podcast, gin and beer it so it's a gin thank you (laughs) i got you (laughs) it's a gin based (laughs) cocktail aperol lime lime syrup no lime juice excuse me and simple syrup and then some bitters so orange bitters so it is a Mm. yeah egg whites based cocktail um you can use aquafaba of course uh and yeah it's definitely what i need it's it's tart of course, with the Aperol, but it's also very citrusy and bright with the orange bitters. And then of course I put a little like orange slice over it. So it's, (laughs) I, it looks fantastic. Thank you. I think it's a great brunch cocktail, uh, or just like a good fall cocktail as well. Yeah. It also like, it kind of looks like a Cosmo, like it has that sex in the city kind of like appeal to it visually but it also sounds much more appealing I'm not the biggest Cosmo fan um it like I mean I I there's a way to make a really good Cosmo but I would never go to like a normal bar and order one because it's just going to be disgusting oh it's for the different most part. it's different um, every time yeah fun fact yeah I used to bartend at a like a <laughs> I don't want to say a senior home but it was like it was a campus almost it was very bougie girl and they had their own like mm-hmm. restaurant and bar and this old woman would come and she would always order a Cosmo or a Manhattan. And let me tell you, she did not, so funny. she did not just have one. <laughs> it was, it would, I, that would be me definitely with Manhattans, but not, not with Cosmos. Um, I'm just not, not really a cranberry fan. I'm definitely not a vodka fan. Um, yeah, Depends I've made, I've had some ones with a fun, yeah, I've had some ones with a fun spin, but the Aperol, Aperol gin sour sounds much more up my street. Yeah. Well, if you're ever also, interested, you could always check my page for the actual breakdown of the recipe. Um, and it also probably be on your description as well. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. No, I will. I, I'd need to make one of those. I actually love it because I love, because at the time of recording, um, and posting this, it's January. And I just feel like, especially cause like Aperol is very popular in the UK and in Europe in general. It's not uh, like, it's very common that anyone would have it in their home bar. But I think for most people here, it probably collects dust until about April, May, whenever the sun decides to come out. So finding cocktails where you can make use of your Aperol, um, in the winter when you're not really feeling an Aperol spritz. Um, yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah. It's delicious. Absolutely. And I find that in the U S people only know about the Aperol spritz and they only drink it in the summer. Yeah. And I feel like just recently Aperol is like blown up in the U S because of their campaign. They have like this huge campaign yeah. going on. So it's kind of funny to see how, how else you can use Aperol like as a home bartender. Right. So instead of, yeah. Like, yeah. there's there's definitely some like bougie cocktail bars in london that make clever like we have a tiki bar near us here that they make a rum negroni and i think they they either use aperol instead of the campari or they use like half campari half aperol just because i think the aperol goes a bit nicer with rum it's really good um but for the most part it's only really used in Aperol spritzes. So yeah, it's just, it's nice that Aperol gets its time, time in the spotlight. Yeah. Time to shine. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) 
I love it. I love it. So you, you've spoken a little bit about bartending experience. How, um, like what sort of bars have you, have you worked at? Oh gosh. So <laughs> I started bartending when I was 18 and it was at, at that facility camp, like mm-hmm. senior campus. Um, but that was when I'm home on Long Island. But then when I would go to college, it would be like a college bar. So it wouldn't be something serious. Mm-hmm. And then I actually, um, bartended abroad in Australia. So that was interesting. Yeah. It was like a a touristy spot. So not so much like a college bar, but at the same time, Mm -hmm. it was also like a touristy spot because it was in a, if you're familiar with like the uh, gold coast in Australia, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's like surface paradise. So one of those bars was like restaurant row right there. And it was really fun. I had a, a blast. I bet you met lots of people. Oh my gosh. Let me tell you, Australians are gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. Gorgeous. And they, they also can drink like Brits can drink the Australians. It's on it. Like when Australians drink, like their benders are like days long, <laughs> like, honestly. Um, That's so great. Like my, my cousin is engaged on an Australian and, you know, Adam, if you're listening to this, I love you. I can't wait for you to be my cousin. But like, he, like when him and his, when him and his brother, like we've had them for Christmas and like when they get going, they get going. And that's coming from me who is like, I have a very high booze tolerance that I'm not necessarily proud of, but um, <laughs> yeah, it is, it is like, it is a different story with Australians. And I mean that as a compliment, but yeah, it's the only reason I've, I have not yet visited Australia. The only reason why I know the gold coast is because of married at first sight. Um, <laughs> the Australian version. I don't know if you've watched that. If you haven't, it's literally the best version of married at first sight ever. It's um, hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, but they did their like, they did their like trip away to the gold coast and they're all, it seems like it's like a very big vacation destination in Australia. So, and there's a college right there. Yeah. There's a college right there. I was able to just hop on the, on the bus and just go down there. That's amazing. Yeah. So how long were you in Australia? Six months, which was so great. And it was summer there. So it was from September to December and it was like when the, Mm. the sun was beating I remember I was like, oh, I could tan. Like, I'm a brown girl. I could tan. It's fine. Like, it's all right. I was dehydrated when I got up. I was, yeah. I was like, yeah. the, the sun was beating harder than the Dominican Republic. I'm Dominican. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I would go to DR, but it was much more intense there. The only time I've ever experienced that, I went to Peru, obviously very different part of the globe than <laughs> Australia, but I went to Peru when I was 17 and that was the first time I'd ever traveled below the equator. And it, yeah, like you say, I mean, I'm very pale, like I'll burn it no matter what the climate is, but that was like another level. It was like it was, intense. it was a joke. Yeah. Like it was like, I have never burned like that in my life. Um, but what, are you the type so, to like yeah. turn red and then tan? Cause that's my sister. She's very pasty and she would just yeah. tan afterwards. You know, you know, what's funny is that I haven't really let, I haven't really let myself do it in so long because a combination of like, I haven't really, well, no, I take that back. I burned in Cancun on spring break in college um, and I burned on my knees which is like sounds like such a weird place to get a sunburn but it was fucking painful it was so bad um that was the last time I've been like properly sunburnt because a like 
I'm 27. I'm a bit obsessed with skincare now. Like I do not, I've already got some wrinkles. I don't want any more. So I'm very big on like the SPF 50, but yes, I don't even know how, like, I, I think when I was, when I was a kid, I think I, yeah, I would definitely burn and then tan out. (laughs) Um, it really grosses me out the people that love to get to the point where they're like peeling everywhere. Oh my gosh. It's the worst. Yeah. How is drink culture in Peru? So I, don't really know only because I went on a school trip and we were volunteering in an orphanage. Um, so it was like, the funny thing is that, (laughs) yeah, well, yeah, I was then (laughs) (laughs) the, the funny, the funny thing is that, um, so it was like our school would do different trips to it. It's this organization called NPH that has organized that has orphanages, um, all across like South America and Central America. Um, and like they have one in the Dominican, um, Honduras, they have a really big one. Um, and so I went on the Peru trip, but I can't remember. I think it was Honduras. Um, a couple of my friends went on that one and like, they definitely got boozed, which is quite scandalous. Like I went to a boarding school and we didn't really like drink. Um, it, like it was like, you could get in a lot of trouble. Um, oh, wow. but the Peru one, yeah, we didn't like sneak out in Lima and go drinking. Um, but I would, I would love to go back to Peru and like experience it. And, you know, cause I think like, because I loved it, it was an incredible experience because I went and like volunteered in an orphanage. I didn't do anything touristy, um, which is like good. That's like nice best. to not do anything touristy, but yeah. yeah, I'd like to go back one day and do like Machu Picchu and <laughs> do all the drink stuff. and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. I went to um, like Belize and Mexico city. I think I was 18 at the mm-hmm. time for both. And I was happy to have my beer. I love exploring yeah. local beers, especially at like different countries. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was great. It was great. It's very cash. That's the best thing. No, the only it wasn't alcoholic, but there's a there's a soda in Peru called Inca Cola, and it's like this weird kind of like orangey, not orange. I, I don't even I can't even describe it, the flavor. It was delicious though. We drank so much of that when we were there. Um yeah, but I know like drinking makes travel so much like I enjoy I've always enjoyed travel but I enjoy travel so much more as like an an alcohol drinking adult than I did as a kid because it like it adds such another layer of like immersing yourself in that culture um yeah like you say like trying the beers my boyfriend I actually got him a uh like a scratch off thing of like beers of all around the world and you just scratch off when you've tried them so like whenever we go places he tries to get because it it just has like whatever the most common lager is there. So obviously yeah. Ireland is like a Guinness and stuff, but yeah, it's cool. It's a good way to like, yeah. If you ever go to Dominican Republic, gotta go get the Presidente. The Presidente okay. beer. Good to know. Oh, it's so good. I'm actually, I'm trying to convince my parents um, for us all to do like a massive trip to the Dominican, like next New Year's. That is like, I've been begging my parents because I've wanted to go to the Dominican for so long. Um, oh, so my country, yeah. it's great. Fingers <laughs> crossed. Fingers crossed that happens. Yeah, I would absolutely love to. What about, so what other places have you tried cool drinks at in your travels? Well, oh, Montreal has been really, really fun. So I went to Montreal lies so college i went to a it's in a town called plattsburgh in new york Mm -hmm. so the tip of new york state bordering canada and you were like 30 minutes to montreal so for Mm -hmm. freshmen you can easily just go for a weekend and uh 
you know, find the loophole to the the drinking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but go to, uh, I forgot what the local beer was called, but I just remember just drinking, not excessively. I behaved, I promise. But I would take advantage of just like how accessible Montreal was and remember yeah. just like drinking a beer with like, or not a beer with steak, but like wine with steak and then like a beer at lunch and then have crepes yeah. and a mimosa. And it was, I just felt so bougie. I just love traveling and drinking internationally it was just the coolest thing as like a freshman too or a first year at uni yeah Yeah. oh it's it's pretty cool but I'm excited to go to London and try like their local oh yeah I can give you a lot of tips um (laughs) for London I I went to Montreal for spring break when I was 19 so sophomore year of college and it was so funny because I mean our spring break was in March it was absolutely freezing there and everyone was just like, why did you pick that? And I was like, because you can drink there at 18. Yeah. Like I was like, why do you think? But I actually went with a friend who was like a lot more sensible to me. So we didn't like, we didn't actually booze that much. I don't, I don't think I tried any cool beers. I remember having, I think that was the first ever like amaretto sour that I had in like this bar. Just, it's not like Montreal. That's a, like, yeah, nice. it's not it's not like that's like a you know, Canadian delicacy, but it was the first <laughs> one that I can remember having. Um yeah, it was it was I Montreal is is an amazing city. Oh, I really, I'd so... love to go back there. I love it. It's such a taste of Europe like in the middle of North America, which is great. That is very true. Yeah. Well, I can't even really speak cuz I've only been to Greece at ooh, their wine and beer oh it's so good um yeah I loved it they like try to like put wine down my throat because they would uh uh, yeah yeah after like dinner there's like a dessert wine and there's like wine you have it's oh great but yeah that's a really good way to put it that Montreal is like a bit of Europe in North America because it I felt very like oh this is not the United States yeah Um, yeah yeah. No, it's yeah. Um, I love it there. No, Greece. I did. I did a whole episode with my boyfriend on everything that we drank because we went to Santorini two years ago, and that was like the best drinking trip. But not even in the sense that like I was wasted the whole time. It was just like everything I drank was so delicious. Yeah. Um, we did. Yeah, because Santorini is just like I like really kind of dry like mineral sort of savory to like chardonnay sort oh, of I love chardonnay. white wines yeah. and that's yeah that's sort of not not chardonnay grapes but like theirs is a Syrtico and it's kind of in that same family and we drink so much of that and then they have really good they've got great like mythos and their like standard lagers are really good but their um their craft beers are amazing too there's a great beer scene in Greece yeah oh yeah and I think I, one of their beers I think it was like you pay for a bottle and then like part of the proceeds goes to the like Greek economy because like they just, Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's, um, I can't say enough good things about Greece. Like I've traveled quite a bit of Europe at this point, less in the last two years for obvious reasons than I would like, but, um, the far and away of anywhere that I visited Greece, the people are so friendly, like so incredibly friendly. Um, and I think part of that is because their economy relies so much on tourism. So they just, they really, there's like this respect for tourists and, and unlike other places where they're just like, okay, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like where else would that be? Cause I know Dominican Republic, it's this exact same thing where they welcome tourists. They, 
they rely heavily on the tourism sec- sector of their economy. So yeah. I wonder where else, I mean, not London, not so much London, right? They no, have to be. <laughs> um, no, I did. Yeah. And I like, I think it's more difficult with like cities, obviously, because mm. uh, of course, like New York is, is very much the same, but the, <laughs> like, I think the problem with New York and London is that like, it's not when you visit Santorini, the whole point of Santorini, like at least the main bits is tourism. It, you know, it's hotels and restaurants and hospitality. Yeah. And then the people, the people living there are all in one way or another, whether they are Host. waiters or bartenders or ca- taxi drivers. Yeah. They're like making their living. Whereas like in New York, if you're a tourist walking around, like everyone walking around you is trying to get to work yeah. or trying to get to the doctor, you know, they're not like, they don't give a shit that you're a tourist. And it's the same in London. Like, you know, the cab drivers might be nice to you or your tour guide might be nice to you or the people in the museum might be nice to you, but on the street, no one cares no one that you're cares. a tourist. And yeah. Um, that is- and that's like, cause that, that's my feeling about New York as well. Like I find New Yorkers when I'm a tourist there to be assholes, but like, I don't blame them for like, I get it. Cause I'm just like, I would be one too if I was in <laughs> your situation. <laughs> kind of a, yeah. I, I see the, differences there because when you're in the subway and you're trying to get out of the subway exactly we, we bust you down <laughs> like. yeah well and it, it's the same in london like londoners are a lot less like a londoner's not gonna like shout at you there it's a much more passive aggressive culture um <laughs> but it's the same and it like you know if i'm commuting in to work and if i'm go- like a, my normal commute when i'm not working from home goes through the very touristy parts of London. And it's like, if someone's being an idiot and is slowing down me, like getting to work and I've got 9am meeting, I'm not going to be super warm and fuzzy towards them. So yeah, I'm know. very vocal. I'm like, watch where you're going. <laughs> and like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I should learn so, how to be yeah. passive aggressive. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Sometimes I wish Londoners would just be a bit more outspoken. Cause it's all about like Londoners is and like, I say this with love cause I'm one of them. Like I've lived here six years now, but like it, it's all about, you start everything with sorry. It's, Oh, sorry, this, sorry, that. But then what you sit like, it's kind of like, you know how people say no offense and then they proceed to say something really offensive. Yeah. It's the same with like in London, it's like, Oh, sorry. Can you get the fuck out of my way? And it's just like, well, just because you started your sentence with sorry, doesn't mean that it's okay. That you just <laughs> told me to get the fuck out of your way. <laughs> so, so, um, so yeah, that's sober London. How about like after hours London <laughs> when people are in your way, do they go, sorry, fucker get out of my way it just, yeah yeah just I mean more I aggressive. think anywhere <laughs> yeah I think people anywhere are more aggressive when they're drunk but like London and you'll witness it if you come here like it there's so many different brands of like drunk people in London and it just depends on what neighborhood you happen to be in like during the witching hour basically <laughs> because like you know if you're in like Chelsea it like don't get me wrong everyone is obnoxious when they're drunk it's not like there's a place where it's like oh everyone's really like well put together when they've had too much to drink like that doesn't really exist that doesn't exist at all um (laughs) yeah like anywhere in the world but like chelsea is just it's going to be a lot of like ridiculously rich people like raw raw like oh my god penelope (laughs) like you know and then but then you'll go like clapham which is really close to where i live like it's a lot of like uni students or people who have just recently graduated uni and they're just like absolutely off their tits and (laughs) there's like you know beer cans and kebab boxes everywhere and things like that um and it like it's a whole other 
ball game if there's like a sporting match anywhere you know like it's just there's there's many many different many different brands of it i'm sure new york is exactly the same yeah like it's you know i'm i'm getting the vibe that chelsea's like brooklyn where it's like kind of not posh but like there's a certain type in brooklyn where they're like bruh bruh like come on bruh let's yeah i think yeah chelsea chelsea is very like i don't know it's weird because chelsea is very I'm trying to think of what I would class as Brooklyn. I mean, I haven't, it's been like four years since I've been to Brooklyn. I love Brooklyn, by the way. Um, <laughs> I, I do, but like, I don't know, like Shoreditch in London is very, hipstery. I think Shoreditch is probably, yeah, super hipster, but I think the difference is that I think Shoreditch is not cheap, like nowhere in London is cheap, but I think Brooklyn is probably way more expensive than shortages, which probably makes like the Brooklyn people a bit more on the like you know higher end end than like the shortage, but there's still hipsters in both. I would say um, <laughs> that's fun. it's interesting. I I need to get I I was supposed to go to New York in 2020, and my boyfriend's never been, and we were gonna go, um, and we've not rescheduled that. And I need to. I absolutely love New York. Like I need to get back. Um, well, you have a tour guide whenever you come. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, you have a tour guide. You definitely have to hit me up when you come here for sure. I'm so it's um, in March. So party <laughs> when I yeah. get there. Yeah, definitely. No, uh, it's yeah, it's I don't know. And then like, I think the funny thing about London is that when you live in the UK, you've got Europe on your doorstep. Like it's, you know, I can fly to France in, in to Paris in less time than it would take me to get from Chicago to New York. Oh yeah. But it's like, <laughs> like, you know, everything is so much closer, yeah. but the, the culture is so different, you know, like, like Chicago and New York are different culturally, but like, if you threw me in the middle of New York as a Chicagoan, I can figure it out, you know, yeah. like I can, I, I can get with it. Whereas it's like, hard, you yeah. know, the difference, the difference culturally between the UK and France or the UK and Spain or anywhere like that is, um, it's crazy, but, um, yeah, like the drinking aspect of it is always, I think that like visiting anywhere, you don't have to be a heavy drinker, but just like go to wherever you're traveling to and just go to like a common watering hole and just order whatever everyone else is ordering. That's the best way to learn like what it's like living there. <laughs> That's very true. And I also appreciate the fact that now like mocktails, since it's dry January now, mocktails have become more common and popular. Mm-hmm. So even if you're not in the mood to uh, get a little boozed up, exactly, <laughs> but you're in the mood for bubbles, you can definitely still get some drinking yeah yeah so I think that's a really cool thing especially if you're going to like a well-known establishment or just like a common bar that you can just pop in are you finding that dry January is really popular in New York this year no (laughs) so it's like yeah no that that's exactly why I asked you because no one in London seems to be doing it this year like whatsoever. No, and I think it's because of the excuse me pandemic. <laughs> yeah, it's like the the old panny D. The, yeah, the yeah. panini, the panorama, all of that, and the whole Amarion variant. <laughs> it's just crazy. Yeah. Uh, people yeah. are fed up. People want the booze. They're like, "Fuck it! If I'm gonna die, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a good time and not be here a long time." So yeah. I remember even like looking on Instagram, people are doing polls of like, hey, are you doing dry January? And everyone's saying no, <laughs> and absolutely no. not. 
No, I've just I found that really interesting because like in London, historically, it was always dry January and dry January was purely health reasons. Everyone massively overdid it in December. They're trying to, you know, atone for their sins, <laughs> um, all of that sort of thing. And then there's also not as popular, but a lot of people did sober October. And that oh, was yeah. actually it's a it's a cancer research charity in the UK that like sponsors that basically. And if you go sober for October, you like raise money for cancer research, which is obviously a very good thing. Um, for me personally, I'd rather donate to charity, but still keep drinking, (laughs) but you're still um, helping the cause. (laughs) It's Yeah. But like it, like this year, sober October and dry January, it's like, they just haven't even happened. Like, like whatsoever. Like, I don't know anyone who everyone I've spoken to is like, yeah, I'm having a very damp January. (laughs) Like, Uh, I think the other problem is that so many people had COVID for Christmas that people didn't even really drink that much at the holidays this year. So they're like, I don't need to go sober. Exactly. And I, oh gosh, this was so bad on my end, but I, I was one of those people who had COVID over the holidays yeah. and I was not posting holiday cocktails because I was just like, I can't drink anything right now. Yeah. So I'm like posting a coquito recipe, which is a rum-based cocktail in January. And I'm like, ha ha ha, here's a, a creamy rum-based cocktail. And I actually saw a lot of people were doing the same. So yeah, <laughs> you, you know what? The, th- the thing is, is that like, those sorts of like warming cocktails are still delicious in like January is still the winter. So it's yeah. like, you, know, you could still have it. It's fine. But so many people were in that same boat. That I agree with you. Like, I think everyone's just like, so many families are going to be like celebrating Christmas this month because they didn't get to get together last month. Cause they all had COVID and things like that. So yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's so weird how we have all pivoted, honestly. <laughs> and pretty much said, fuck dry January. Yeah. All together. Exactly. But we like to be inclusive exactly. to the people who don't drink, period. Right? Yeah. No, like, and that's because some of the pubs have been advertising like their dry January drinks. And I'm like, you should just keep these around all year so that yeah. people who don't drink or aren't in the mood for a drink, you can cater to them. But who gives a shit about dry January? Absolutely. No, that's such a good point. You should definitely. And also a lot of vegan drinks too, because I know people who are vegan like tend to be like tiptoe around cocktails because they want to make sure it's a yeah. drink right so it's like yeah gotta be more inclusive with your cocktails here <laughs> yeah yeah definitely that's so true so we are almost to the end of time but while I have you here I'll ask you some just like random rapid fire questions Ooh, I'm ready so what <laughs> good I love I love it um so what what would you say is your go-to cocktail if like you could only drink one thing for the rest of your life. What would it be? Okay. So you will actually see this in my, on my reels, but like this act, the Aperol sour, I mm-hmm. was blown away by it. Um, if it's not the Aperol sour, it's the elder fashion that I reshake, reshuck, reshake. And it's from the difference guide. So um, mm. it's a twist on the old Can't fashioned. Oh my gosh. I love elderflower liqueur. So mm-hmm. it's an old fashioned with elderflower and it's, absolutely delicious so if you look at my amazing if you look for those two cocktails you'll see my reaction I'm like oh my god (laughs) they're really good I love it I love it um what is your favorite bar or place to have a drink in New York City oh that's such a good question because to be honest I have this rule where I don't go to the same bar twice (laughs) same place yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. and I haven't but oh gosh my favorite bars have been 
guiltily like in Brooklyn. <laughs> I've been to Brooklyn a couple mm-hmm. of times and they're really good. Even though I'm a ways away to, from Brooklyn, I'm like near the Bronx area. Uh, mm-hmm. I go to Brooklyn and it, their bar scene is never, it never disappoints. So I would, I would give you an area, nice. not a specific Yeah. Bar. Hey, that's fine. That's my, yeah. Brooklyn is one of my favorites as well. I've not, I mean, I've not spent nearly enough time in New York city, but yeah, I, I feel like you're just never far from like a really trendy place in Brooklyn. So you can't really go wrong. Exactly. Like sh- shortage, shortage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nailed it. Nailed it. Um, <laughs> okay. Let me think one more question. Um, well, I feel like I asked this a lot to guess like yourself on the podcast, but what advice would you give to someone who is looking to just get into just start making use of the booze they've got in their house and maybe teach themselves how to make a few new cocktails, but they're a bit intimidated. What sort of advice would you give them? Don't be afraid to experiment because that's actually how you learn knowing what your tastes are and also knowing how to like stop from, over pouring certain ingredients, making the drink balanced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you want your drink to be balanced and also not too gross. <laughs> so I would just say experiment. Um, I think mm-hmm. that's really important. I love it. I love it. That is very sound advice. Well, thank you so much, Antonelli, for coming on. I've had, a, I can't believe how quickly, like 45 minutes just <laughs> flew by. It was 45 so, minutes. Oh my goodness. It, Megan. Yeah. Getting up. We're, we're getting up there. I know we've, <laughs> we've nailed it. Um, where can the listeners find you and your amazing co- content and your amazing cocktails? Well, girl, you know, they can find me at drunk night in across Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest. I also have a website slash blog slash journal type thing where I also give recommendations of local breweries and distilleries, as well as just like trying out new places in New York City. Um, That's drunknightin.com. We're relaunching very, very soon. So stay tuned for that. But definitely Drunk Night In on Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest. Amazing. Thank you so much. And please, please, please come back on again sometime soon. Heck yeah. We'll do beer next time. (laughs) <laughs> we'll, yes we'll do shot yes we'll, i'm so down for that we'll shotgun a couple of beers <laughs> yeah i'm down for that oh thank you mm-hmm.